Hi, and welcome to Data in Depth, a podcast where we delve into advanced analytics, business intelligence, and machine learning, and how they're revolutionizing the manufacturing sector. Each episode, we share new ideas and best practices to help you put your business data to work. From the shop floor to the back office, from optimizing supply chains to customer experience, the factory of the future runs on data. Welcome, and thanks for joining us for season two of Data in Depth, the podcast exploring data and its role in the manufacturing industry. I'm your host, Andrew Reiser. Today, we are joined by Alex Rinneman, founder of Mountain Leverage. Welcome, Alex. Hey, thanks, Andrew. Glad to be here. Yeah, looking forward to chatting. Really enjoyed our pre-conversations leading up to this and doing a little bit more research about uh, yourself and, and Mountain Leverage. But before we dive in, it would be great if you just tell your own personal story of what led you to find this passion and ultimately create and found Mountain Leverage. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, so it was, I guess, back in 04 is what we're talking about. I had already spent some time in post-ERP implementation, so big accounting systems at the time, um, you know, handling data integration and, and data transfer. And I spent about 18 months, give or take, on a on deployment to Iraq. And on the way back in 04, I was just kind of looking for different options and looking for, for I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit uh, or streak in me. And uh, a buddy of mine called me up and said, hey, there's this opportunity in Pittsburgh. This voice company needs some some help with their customer backlog. And I thought, well, okay, great. I'll, I'll do that while I'm figuring out whatever else I want to do. And so in that process, that's that was the introduction to, you know, voice technology as a as a technology for directing or documenting work. And at the same time, I was really building what was Mountain Leverage, and Uh that was to be more of a kind of an onshoring web application company here in West Virginia. And we always would joke, I would say, you know, the the time zone is pretty good, language barrier is okay, um, as opposed to, to, you know, whether it was India or China at the time for for U.S. And, And so I had, as the business grew, the, the work continued to grow uh, in the voice space. And so we got to a point where about half of our business was was in voice work and half of it was in web application development. And uh, they're both fine pursuits, but we found that one is a commoditized market where we were just one of many and the other, the voice side, we were, we were really good at it. And it was uh, it was great work and we really enjoyed it. And so really at the end of 07, we, we, we all looked at each other and said, look, it's time. We're, we're going to transition everything to voice. And, and the majority of our business became voice. So we trained up those that weren't on the voice side and really kind of went down that that path, uh, starting primarily just in in services of, of developing systems and, and customizing systems for customers and and other partners and kind of growing from from there to training and and implementing and and uh, then you know actually selling on our own and being out with our own customers and, and building our own products. So it's been a, a wild ride really. Yeah, that's a fascinating story, and it's always fun to to talk with other entrepreneurs. I myself originate from West Virginia have a, a similar type story and live down in Charlotte now and founded uh, Mountain Point. And so always good to cross paths. So appreciate you sharing that background. As we pivot into today's discussion, obviously the elephant in the room is, is COVID-19 with everything going on with this global pandemic. And curious what your perspective is as, as you see not only impacts to businesses, but this new normal that everybody's driving towards. So I think that the world has already started shifting and digital transformations were taking over and technologies like voice were probably there. But I'm, I'm curious 
curious to see how this is, is shaping up what you feel will be the, the new normal, if you will. Yeah. You know, I, I guess I could just say everything's changed and then we can move on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and nobody knows what it's going to be. And, and really, I, I don't uh, have any special knowledge there either. I wish I did. I think there are a lot of people that wish their crystal ball that people talk about. They really had one. Uh, that said, I mean, I, I think there are things we've seen things change. Ultimately, things have changed. But I think things are going to continue to evolve and change. And in the areas we play, which really, I mean, you, you mentioned voices around, and it has been. I mean, we really, the, the primary industry that really took off and leveraged voice-directed work as, as a solution was really in distribution and supply chain. Uh-huh. So these are folks running around the warehouse picking products, putting down goods, that kind of stuff. And and so there's there's an efficiency and an accuracy there, and we can talk more about that later. But we, you know, Mountain Leverage have taken an opportunity to take that same kind of technology and apply it across various industries. And for, for better, you know, there, there's interest, but maybe there wasn't really demand. And certainly now we're seeing with, with things happening with COVID-19, we suspect there's going to be continued, you know, some more demand in some of those other areas and even in supply chain as well. I mean, staying right in supply chain, you know, obviously buying habits have changed. I mean, we look at now, uh, things have, have, have definitely changed and they're going to continue to change and, and even access to employees and uh, the, the subsequent needs that will come from this pandemic on employees and labor, uh, the manufacturing slowdowns, the supply chain in terms of, of limiting goods movements and those kind of things. Those are all things that I think we're going to see uh, as, as, a, as a challenge and, and opportunities really kind of going forward. Yeah, for sure. Are there any specific scenarios that you'd like to dive in a little bit deeper with with respect to that? So you hit on supply chains. So maybe you can like pick one or two industries and maybe we can just have a conversation around what you're seeing those impacts or, or transformations evolving to. Sure. I mean, I think, you know, if, if you look at where it all starts in, in the demand side, you know, so buying habits, as we know, have changed. I mean, you know, going to, to a grocery store, I think is going to be very different going forward. I mean, people are now doing click and collect or whatever, whatever the, the certain brand would call it. You know, the idea of you order it online and drive by and get it loaded in your car. Um, that was that was kind of a novelty. And there was some some adoption of that. Uh, people are going to be much more comfortable with that going forward now after after having ha- having to do that in, in some cases in some areas. And so that that's really one example. And on the surface, that seems pretty simple. But but really, the logistics behind that in terms of of having now your your st- your store personnel becoming distribution personnel and going and picking the products and making sure they have the right amount, the right type, making sure it's done in a timely manner, the visibility to the shopper now to know when their, their order is going to be ready. Uh, there's there's all kinds of ways to innovate in and around there. And what it may do in many cases, uh, for, for like a grocery store, for instance, is many of those may become more dark stores where, where there's not folks in there shopping. You know, it's really more of just a mini warehouse, if you will. And so there's a lot of ways that could go. And, and of course, some of these pressures, as you mentioned earlier, they were there before. You know, the e-commerce demands have been putting on, on distribution and, and manufacturers for a while. Uh, the idea previously, a, a, a warehouse might be able to ship a, a case of goods to the store. And with e-commerce pushing, with people ordering online, well, now that, that, that warehouse has to deal with shipping eaches. So instead of shipping a giant case, which is complex in and of itself, now it has to ship eaches. And the additional visibility that people are going to want to expect in that, that's all changing. And, and, and I think it's going to really be, be ramped up in that, in, in that retail space, which I think is going to be a real challenge for a lot of folks that, that haven't optimized or you know the the phrase you keep hearing is is implemented the digital supply chain to be able to handle that kind of complexity and that kind of demand that, that's going to happen going forward yeah and no, i i couldn't agree more i think that every day i'm, I'm seeing uh, local businesses changing up different models i'm seeing even more progressive 
like mobile apps that have been around now adopting and, and empowering some of these local businesses as well. So a, a simple example that comes to mind is the app DoorDash as an example mm-hmm. where you can, uh, it now has pickup as an option. So all these stores were able to, to quickly jump on the business model that already existed there with DoorDash by having these gig economy workers be able to, to pick up your food and, and deliver it. But now it's also empowering you to, to do the click and collect method as well. That's right. And, you know, some of that's even diminished brand strength, you know, I mean, because of, for instance, I mean, everybody makes fun of it, you know, right? Your brand of toilet papers out of the, out, but you're going to, you're going to need toilet paper, you're going to get something else. And, and that, that really extends to other brands. And so I think substitutions at this point being more acceptable really kind of changes how a lot of retailers operate too. And it may, it may erode some of the power that some brands had in the past. And, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see that play out. Yeah, for sure. So let's pivot a little bit to, to dive into voice some more. So maybe you can just kind of give some scenarios around the, the warehouse worker and the, the picking process and, and maybe talk the basics of how voice comes into play and the benefits of it and then where you see that kind of evolving to. Sure. So I think, you know, if you look basically at a, at a warehouse, it's, you know, it could be many football fields wide and long. It could be fairly small, but really it, it's a box <laughs> full of boxes, full of stuff that, that uh, it's picking, packing and shipping. And that seems really simple on the surface. And, and th- if that was it, then it wouldn't be such a complex arena. But there, there are a lot of things going on to make that pick, pack and ship work. And where we come in traditionally and where we've been able to see a lot of value is at the execution on the floor. So an an order comes in and you have you have currently in, in a traditional model, you have an individual that will go and, and, and pick that product, whether it be several products to go to a, an individual or a store or, or what it is. Um, we actually derive the, that person through the store with voice, telling them go to this, this aisle and pick this this product and this this quantity. And there's checks in place for accuracy. And what you have traditionally is whether it's maybe it's paper, maybe it's scan guns, and you run into some issues, whether it's accuracy from a paper perspective, accuracy is an issue. You, uh, or you end up slowing things down to make sure you're more accurate with a scan gun. And so voice in, in many scenarios can really make a, a more efficient pick as well as a more accurate pick. And so, so that's what's happening. And, and then there's a wireless communication from, from the device that, that's on the, the user or on the forklift or whatever it may be that communicates back to the warehouse system that says, okay, we've got the goods and, and now we're, we'll send them to the next one. And so there's, there's a kind of a constant communication which gives visibility to the supply chain that maybe wasn't there previous with a paper solution or, or something like that. And so I think that's really the, the traditional use. And what we found over time is, yeah, I mean, we were, were voice guys just coming in and, and implementing voice, but we've we found really the ability, you know, what's really needed is it's workflow optimization, uh-huh. no matter what the technology is. Is it is it voice? Is it something else? And it's about visibility. And those two things are really key um, to, I think, from a standard distribution standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. So the way I always describe it is people process technology and data. And I think what you're you're finding, as you just described, is technology is typically the easy part. It's that workflow optimization and the business process optimization. It's the training and empowering of the worker in those scenarios. And then most importantly, the, the trends that we're starting to see is, is how do you really take advantage and, and leverage that data? So maybe you can, can shed a little bit more light on as all this is evolving and as you're unpacking these scenarios and, and diving deeper into the integration of these systems and the workflow optimization. How do you guys approach data and where does that fit in with the bigger picture? 
Yeah, that's that's a good question, and that's a question we're always asking ourselves. Is okay, what where is the data? <laughs> what what value is the data, and what can we do with it, and and what can we make it say, or how can we use it in, in value? And you know, if we use you mentioned labor, and we use that as as a, an example, you know, traditionally labor, the, even even most recently, the challenge was where do I find the workers? You know, we were running uh-huh. running out of space. You know, how how, how are we going to solve the labor problem? Um, but what we found is, so if we look at, at what data exists, I mean, there's there's a lot of of tribal knowledge that sits in some workers and that you can you can put into a system and so we take uh, some of that that data and put it into a, a voice system that can let, let's use an assembly plant for instance and we can voice enable uh, the process so that maybe you have a flex worker who who is who is at one station and they're they're fully trained on one station and maybe they're only partially trained on another station and they really wouldn't be able to work through that but you add a you know a, a display with voice that walks them through the process maybe they're they're less efficient than if they were fully trained on that station but they're able to get it through and so that is uh, that that's something that's pretty impressive normally but then you put the covid-19 lens over it and now that individual can be effective while maybe their their partner is is out with covid-19 or 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 unavailable based on distancing and, and different things so that's where we find some of these solutions are really interesting at these times and it it puts a, a situation where not only that you have workers now now there's there's more even more competition for workers to a certain degree and you find that you can leverage the data in a way that, that kind of harkens back to the days of old. And, and I, we, we jokingly say, you know, way, way back in the day, the manager might have known that, that, that Bob on Tuesday isn't going to perform as well as he does every other day because Monday night's his bowling night. And now he's going to stay out late and drink too many beers and he's going to come in and be a little slow. And so, you know, the manager knows to put Bob on some other job or whatever it is. Well, that, that, that intimacy is, is a little tough in today's world, especially with the turnover of work and, and things. And so, but, but with data, we can go in and we can begin to find trends and know that, hey, Bob on Tuesday isn't, isn't his, his best self. And so it, it doesn't take the level of intimacy that it used to. We can use data to do that. And there's lots of arguments for or against that, but there's just some really neat things that you can take that data and actually apply it in a way that makes everybody more efficient. And for instance, you can take that Bob and, you know, let's say on Wednesday, you can coach Bob. You can give him updates of where he's at and, and kind of coach him in his work so he feels like he's getting something accomplished as opposed to just go here, do this, or just see a screen that pops up a bunch of numbers, and it begins to make worker satisfaction better. So retention is, is a big thing that folks kind of kind of struggle with, and that's those are some of the areas we're seeing our customers really have a lot of interest. Yeah, no, I think that's a great analogy and a, a good example of, of, of where this data can be leveraged. So you had also mentioned to me about the black box of just-in-time manufacturing and supply chain. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit more? Maybe share some examples around uh, what you mean by that. Yeah, I, I think this one will be hotly debated for a while. I mean, I, I get the, the the whole idea of just-in-time delivery, right? Is is this this lean supply chain, and we don't have a lot of a lot of things laying around? And the whole the whole focus traditionally was to compress this thing from from the time it's manufactured mm-hmm. to the time it's in the, in the customer's hands. That said, um, we saw we see some of that breakdown in moments like like this, uh, in moments like pandemics. Not that they come every year, thankfully, and hopefully they don't continue to come this often. That said, it did um, it did reveal, I think, some weaknesses and some things people will be looking to address. And I use the example of you know it's it, it's good to be lean at the same time. A little extra fat can get you through a famine, <laughs> and and in these situations, we saw where lean kind of broke down a bit. So I think, of course, you're still always going to be looking to cut waste out of processes. But I think just like in our immune system, we're carrying around antibodies for diseases we haven't seen in, uh, ever in our lifetime, but we carry them. And uh, if we ever did bump into them, we've got them. And so that's a little bit of extra effort, but it's it's something there. And so 
I do think we'll see an additional cost of folks being willing to carry an additional cost to to insulate a little bit with this, whether it's from a safety consideration or a supply consideration. Um, when you look at what's happening today, you'll see that you know some people are single-threaded in terms of their location. Maybe they're trying to put all their product out of one DC or out of one plant to manufacture it. And there's a lot more discussion now about maybe we need maybe we need some fail-safes. We need multiple points for this, which which previously, the last you know, few decades, they've been trying to remove those multiple points to have it more streamlined. And uh, it, it kind of broke during this. So I think that's, you know, we're seeing that. Uh, we're seeing a lot of folks interested, but you, you still have proponents. So I think that it isn't all things. There's a balance somewhere in between um, that, that this experience will at least maybe bring some of that back that, okay, maybe it's, it's okay that we have some fail safes here. Um, and, and, you know, really, when you talk about the, the focus on, on manufacturing, depending on what your business model is, obviously, but in most cases, the C-suite really isn't interested or focused or maybe doesn't really have any idea what goes on inside their distribution center but but right now uh that's front and center and so i think going forward that's going to be a c-level discussion it's going to be a c-level interest and, and folks are going to be wanting to know what's happening in distribution where are things how 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 much technology we applied to distribution so uh, so we can turn on a dime in the event of of something like this uh, unfortunately like this pandemic or or anything weather related events all of those things have have over time exposed how important supply chain is to a manufacturer and a retailer yeah for sure so one of the kind of additional thoughts that I have tying this all together is where the future of voice is going. So I'm sure you're already starting to see things like artificial intelligence being interweaved into this. We've seen the the kind of uptick of things like Siri and Alexa, and a lot of it's been transactional up until this point, but I'd love your insights on where you think AI is going to play into this and how kind of this natural language is going to open up those doors a little bit more for more uh, predictive and prescriptive analytics, whether it be the worker or the C-suite engaging with their systems and data to shed light on what the underlying systems and, and AI, for lack of a, a better description, is, is uncovering about their business. Yeah, I mean, that that's really the exciting part, isn't it? I mean, it's the the, the, the fact for, for natural language processing and then what we can do with that and, and be able to, to on the fly pick up applications and, and let them build themselves. I mean, there's, there's some really cool stuff and it will happen. Uh, that said, there's still, you know, like blockchain, for instance, is one of these things that, that's talked about in terms of what's coming. And, you know, it has value. And I, and I believe once once there's some standardizations in place, that will help with some of these transactions. Um, but, but to your point, above the transactions, or I guess, you know, beyond that, is this idea of where AI and machine learning takes place. And from a voice perspective, again, voice is really, you know, largely the input. And right now, we're we're primarily when folks think of voice and voice directed work, it's 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 purely directing the worker. When you look at just what we talked about earlier, like the coaching side of things, where we can use data to be able to to more efficiently or effectively, you know, coach the worker and help the worker. There's also the relationships with other applications, whether it be robotics or or other things within the warehouse, where voice is just one piece of the puzzle. That's a great interface to the user. And, and it can be an interface that gets more lively and more engaging. And so you have retention, you have performance, and you have integration with other uh, modalities out there, whether it be 
robotics or even some of the traditional uh, technologies that are out there. But you, you begin to combine all that together, and that's really what gets you to this this whole concept of, of the digital supply chain, right? And it, and it gets really interesting in terms of the automation that can take place now. You know, there, there are places today, and there are warehouses today that have, have goods to person. There's conversations about how that works. But again, most of those implementations are all kind of in point. There's this there's this moment of, of this and this moment of that in the warehouse. But integrating all that together and having some smarts connecting when and where and how it's uh, it's pretty exciting and i think this event and i always try to find the good in in any kind of event whether it's a pandemic or or something small um and in this case i do think there's going to be a ton of innovation and people being interested for how to pandemic proof their business and in that uh, we're going to see a real uptick in a lot of these technologies that we just mentioned Absolutely. Yeah, these are definitely some challenging yet exciting times. So agree 100% that this will spur the next wave of, of innovation as these companies take the lessons learned and identify where the, the gaps in their organization and, and their business models lie and, and figure out how to come out the other side of this, which is also a great opportunity uh, for systems integrators to, to help play a part in, in these digital transformations and optimizing these new business models and, and being the, the glue that kind of connects all these systems and, and data together, which is uh, also pretty exciting. For sure. Cool. Well, Alex, I uh, really appreciate your time today and, and joining the, the show. Uh, a lot of great insights and, and great conversation. Any parting words or, or last thoughts that you want to leave the guests with? Um, I, I guess I just, just would like to mention about, about what we're doing in healthcare. So we're a geographically distributed company and we have folks all over. And so we've each reached out to our local areas and beyond for how we might be able to help them from a patient intake perspective on COVID-19. And in those those cases, you know, it's kind of overwhelming and maybe the systems aren't there to capture the information needed for contact tracing or even just, just storing and, and contacting those folks after tests have come in. And so as the testing ramps up here in the United States and, and around the world, we hope to be able to provide something and uh, to, to help. And so it's just one more area where innovation, you know, using a technology that's traditionally used elsewhere to really, uh, really help in, in an area of need. And so we're, we're kind of excited about that. Hopefully we, we can make a difference there. I know lots of companies are looking for how they could. Well, we don't, we don't have a, a, a plant that we can re- retrofit for uh, masks or vaccines or anything like that, but we can certainly maybe help the workflow uh, for healthcare workers, which would be fantastic during this time. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, always great to hear of uh, businesses figuring out how they can give back, especially in times like this. So uh, thank you very much for sharing that. Hey, thanks. For those that are listening, if you'd like to learn more about Mountain Leverage and their solutions, I'd encourage you to visit their website at mountainleverage.com. And if you'd like to connect with Alex, we'll be sure to provide relevant links to online profiles in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate the episode and subscribe to Data In Depth, available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you might consume your podcasts. Thanks again for joining us today. Data In Depth is produced by Mountain Point, a digital transformation consulting firm focusing on the manufacturing sector. You can find show notes, additional episodes, and more by visiting dataindepth.com. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.